Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. To our children this morning, God bless them and help them today. Hallelujah. Do we still have the victory? Hallelujah. Thank God for um, faithful people. Um, what a blessing it is to serve the Lord with people who put priority on the things of God and the, the vision that we have to reach the lost. Amen. We're going to open up our Bibles this morning to the book of Acts, if you join me there. Hallelujah. We're going to look together at the book of Acts, chapter 20. And uh, I didn't mention that today is uh, the last Sunday of, of the month, which means uh, we take the opportunity to put our attention on the needs of the mission field. We are not a massive church. We have, uh, we have several families here this morning that we would consider the core of our congregation and even though we, uh, we may not look like much, I want to tell you this congregation is responsible for an incredible amount of missionary work. I don't know if you realize that, but just in the last year, uh, we have been uh, on a missions trip to Romania. Uh, you sent me on a missions trip to Nigeria. Um, in addition to that, I'll be going to Ukraine in just a couple of weeks. And that's all because there's people here who believe in missions work. And so I'm saying that to tell you that we don't have to have a thousand people to make impact in the world. How many believe that today? Uh, we, can, we can make an impact in our city, and we can also have impact around the world because there are people who believe in what we do, in what we do as a fellowship. Much of the church world, if you have been to other churches or, or are you aware of other churches out there, um, when, when they begin to talk about missions work, usually what they're talking about is uh, maybe every summer there's a, a trip that they plan and uh, they will take a week or, or a week and a half and uh, travel to Mexico to build houses. Now, that's not an evil thing to do. That's, that's great, helps people. Uh, but many times, what's missing is what we have in our fellowship, where we have long-term investments into cities and nations around the world. The church world has begun to relegate missions work only to the very few, to some radicalized fringe. And much of the church world today has no connection to any missions work. That is not true in this place, and it should not be true of you and I. 
Because at the very core of who we are as believers is the idea that the gospel must go forth. The gospel cannot remain hidden. Jesus said we are like a light, a city on top of a hill. It is not made to be hidden. The gospel message, the kingdom of God, is a message that must be broadcasted. That is true in your life. That is true as a church on Saturdays. That's why we're talking about outreach and evangelism. We believe that this gospel is not good enough to sit idly by and help you personally without helping others around you. This gospel must go forth. Our scripture that we put on the wall back there says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus' great commandment, his great commission, his marching orders that he has given to the church. Can I tell you, those have not changed in 2000 years. And if you are at all serious about serving God. If you have any desire to please God. God with your life. If there is anything in you that is sensitive to what God wants instead of what you want, then we have to take that commission seriously. We have to take it serious in our personal lives. We have to take it serious corporately as a body of Christ, as a church, in our community. And we also have to take it seriously in the context of world evangelism. I believe this morning with all my heart that God calls every Christian to a missionary life. Say, Pastor, really? Am I going to be a missionary? I don't think that everybody here is going to end up in a foreign country. I hope everybody does, by the way. That is an experience that every one of you needs to have at some point in your life is to go on a missions trip. But I don't think anybody here, or or maybe, you know, I don't think that everyone is called to be a full-time missionary. However, I think that we all have to have missionary hearts. And that's what I want to preach about this morning, a a message I've titled, The Missionary's Heart, which should be at work in every believer. Acts chapter 20, as we get this lesson from the life of Paul, beginning with verse 17, and I'm reading today from the New Living Translation. It says these words, Acts 20, verse 17. But when he landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. When they arrived, he declared, You know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I've had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, verse 22, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me. Well, we knew what awaited him, don't we? He was about to be arrested and imprisoned. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. 
but my life is worth nothing to me. Listen carefully. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing, the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news, the gospel about the wonderful grace of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible word that you've given to us. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house this morning. And I pray that there is not one person here today that misses out on the missionary's heart. God, I'm praying that as we focus on this missionary, this World Evangelism Sunday, as we remember our missionaries and the workers in the corners of the earth, as we pray for them and, and, uh, and believe God for them, Lord, that you would remind us that they are not the only missionaries in your church, but that every person here this morning, and indeed every Christian, is called, called to have a missionary's heart right where they are. And I pray this morning that you would revive that heart in our souls today. We thank you all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people would say, amen. The missionary's heart. And let's look firstly at the incredible journey of the Apostle Paul. We, in this scripture that we read, we find him in the midst of one of his five missionary journeys. Now I say five because those are the five that were recorded. I, uh, we, we do not know for certain that that was all of the missionary journeys that he took, but there, there were at least five missionary journeys that he took. Now when we speak about a missionary journey, you might have an idea in your head like what we do in our world today where you know a group of people will take two weeks and fly in a cushy airplane uh, over continents and seas and, uh, and have a, a nice hotel where we eat bread and cheese and meat and beautiful things. This is not the kind of missionary journey that we're talking about with the Apostle Paul. Travel in those days was horrible. It was slow. It was dangerous. And each one of these missionary journeys would have represented years, years of time that passed by. So with five missionary journeys, you have to understand this, is, this takes up probably the second half of his life. Second half of his life. He is called to the mission field. Travel was difficult. It was only possible because of the Roman road system that had been established in, uh, in, in Europe and in, in, uh, in New Asia there. He would also have been traveling by ship. Now, if you are afraid of boats today, can you imagine boats 2,000 years ago sailing through the Mediterranean Sea from island to island in Greece with the storms whipping up? Some of you know what it's like to be at sea. Imagine being on a crickety old boat with a sail flopping in the wind and people who want to kill you on board. Vandals at every checkpoint along the way. Why would a man put himself at such great personal risk? Why? Because Jesus asked him to. And we have a hard time waking up on Saturday morning. <laughs> well, praise the Lord. This was Paul's third journey out of five. These five missionary journeys that we know of would have taken him to 
Asia Minor, Syria, Greece, Italy, Spain, even Britain, and other places that we may not know about. This was a man who used his time well. He was not afraid to step out and travel for the kingdom of God. I want to tell you, travel has not uh, travel has gotten a lot of a lot easier since then, hasn't it? And so, what's your excuse? I have said before, and uh, I will say again this morning, that I think a passport full of stamps is evidence of your heart for God. And I don't say that because my passport is full of stamps. I say that because it speaks about a willingness to invest in something bigger than yourself. Travel, just like back then, is expensive. Travel, just like back then, is hard on your physical body. It makes you tired, wears you out. But listen, it is nothing compared to what the Apostle Paul went through. If we had half the heart of a missionary that the Apostle Paul did, we would still be able to do twice as much as he did in his time. I want you to hear that again. If we had half the heart that he did for missionary work, then today with our modern travel and our modern conveniences, we would be able to do twice as much as he did. Did you hear that? Maybe I should say it one more time so you can catch it. If you had half the heart of the Apostle Paul today living in 2020, you could do twice as much for the kingdom. But the problem is that we don't see ourselves as missionaries. We don't see ourselves in that way. We, when you think of a missionary, you think of, oh, that's got to be somebody else. Not me. But I want to remind you today that that is not a calling that is only for some super spiritual minority that lies at the top of the cream of the crop of Christianity. No. Do you know who most missionaries are? They are simply people surrendered to the will of God. That's it. They're not super spiritual. They're not highly favored. They're not, they're not super... I've, because I was a, a missionary at one time, I can testify. I know a lot of missionaries. Usually, the mission the people that I've met who are missionaries are some of the silliest, goofiest people you could ever meet. I hope I'm not talking about myself. But the reason I say that is because I've met them. I know, because you have to be a little bit half crazy to leave your place of comfort and follow the will of God. I think about the Alvarez's. They're, they're back now, but for the last four years, Paul and Deanna Alvarez took their three young children into uh, Shanghai, China. They learned the language. They endured the difficulties. Look, I know Paul Alvarez. He was, uh, he was one of the, the groomsmen in my wedding when he was 14 years old. He's not the super spiritual, you know, he's not... The high flyer. In fact, I can remember when he yelled at Pastor Campbell and pointed his finger in his face and said, I'm not going to serve the Lord. And yet today, God used him as an incredible missionary. I think about the Howards. I heard that plans have been changing, but here's Dion uh, and, and, and uh, 
what's her name? Tay, Dion and Tay Howard from the the Chesapeake Church had a great work there. And uh, in the last conference, they were announced to go to South Africa. Look, anybody who knows Pastor Dion, you know that he's not like some super, he's not in the library every day studying, you know, theological doctrines. And you know what he is? He is just surrendered to the Lord. Think of Rocky and Ingrid, Kelowna, had a powerful work up there in, in, uh, in D.C. And a few years back, you know, I don't know if you know this about the D.C. corridor up there, northern Virginia, but they make a lot of money up there. He's got people in his church that make six figures, multiple. And that means if they're making six figures a month, they're tithing five figures, There's a lot of money coming into that congregation. That means he can live pretty well as a pastor, right? He was a full-time pastor up there. And in a conference, God called him and his wife to go into a nation, Myanmar. They left all that behind. Can I tell you the missions work? You're not going to make a lot of money being a missionary. But they gave up their place of comfort because they were following the Lord Jesus. I think about Scott and Carrie Grabowska. They, they are, to me, they are the Apostle Paul of our generation, at least in my life. It was because of their devotion. They spent 30 years on the mission field between Mozambique, uh, India, and Tanzania. 30 years they gave their lives, and their children were raised in those places. I want to tell you that Pastor Grabowska is a fantastic man of God, but he's not a high flyer. He is a simple man with a simple faith and a simple devotion to the Lord. That's it. We could go talk about missionaries of the past, But the point is this morning that it doesn't take super spirituality to be a missionary or to have the heart of a missionary. You don't even have to travel to Bulgaria or Botswana. All you have to do is to have a heart for people. You could wake up tomorrow morning and be a missionary right where you are. Do you believe that? Can you see that God has called you to the life of a missionary right where you are? See, long before we ever got on an airplane and went to some crazy place called Bulgaria, can I tell you, every Saturday, my wife and I were waking up at 7 in the morning to go on an outreach team to some city in Arizona. The heart of a missionary was born on a street corner Friday night when we would go to Mill Avenue in Tempe, Arizona and preach to all the drunkards out there. That's where the heart of a missionary started. It was a simple devotion. It was a simple command. Lord, do you want me to be there? Then I'll be there. People ask me, you know, what was it like to, uh, to, to leave everything behind, everything familiar, and go into a new place, a new culture, a new language? You don't know any of this stuff. What was it like? Was it really hard? I said, yeah, you know, there was difficulties. But it wasn't a hard decision. Do you know why? 
Because I had made a thousand decisions before that. A thousand little decisions to wake up and go to prayer meeting. Little decisions to stay late and talk to the visitor at the altar call. I had made a thousand decisions to open my home on a Friday night and host a Bible study and teach people and share the love of Christ in my own home. It was those little things that led eventually to a bigger thing. A missionary heart started long before I got in an airplane. So let's look at this scripture because it reveals to us some marks of a missionary heart. I want you to take note of these as we work through them quickly. Verse 16. First of all, missionaries have unity. There's a spirit of togetherness. Verse 16 says, Paul decided to sail on to Ephesus for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible, in time for the festival of Pentecost. What is this all about? So first of all, we see that Paul wants to get to church. And especially he wants to be there for the holy day of Pentecost. This is a Jewish festival, but it's also a celebration of the entrance of the Holy Spirit into the church. Why is Paul hurrying? Why is he rushing to travel back to Jerusalem? Why? Because he wants to get to church. Picture yourself on Sunday morning. Why are we rushing? Why are we hurrying? Why are we doing all? Because I want to get to church. Why do we want to get to church? So that we can look good in front of people? No. The reason that we want to get to church, is it just because somebody told me I have to go? I hope not. Is the reason that you're going because you want to get something out of it? Still the wrong reason. The reason why he was hurrying is because he wanted to fellowship. He wanted to connect. He wanted to be together with the church in Jerusalem. Listen, we take this so for granted. That's okay. I'll just preach to myself this morning. You remember how precious it was when you first got saved? You could not wait to get back to church. I was like, man, pastor, do we have to end the service? I can remember uh, being in the Chandler Church, and we would have, we would have revivals, man. I, I was amazed how often we would do revivals in the, in, the, in the mother church there in Chandler. It was almost every six weeks. We're talking about like, you know, uh, seven or eight every year. That's a lot of revivals. You think we do a lot of revivals. We're talking eight or nine every year, every six weeks. Pastor wanted us to be in church. And I love being in church. And I can remember getting to the end of a revival and thinking, man, don't leave us. Pastor Payne, man, some of those revivals with Tom Payne ripped my face off and then put me back together. And I came out stronger the other side. And I wished that they would have gone another week. Oh, but not today. Oh, man, pastor's got another revival on the calendar. I wish somebody would take his phone away from him. 
Paul was hurrying to get to church. Isn't it amazing? Paul, who's the smartest guy in the room. Paul, who's the most learned out of all of them. Paul, who is the greatest trained. Paul, who has visited the most cities. Paul, who knows the most amount, right? He is the most well-connected person. And yet he still desires to see his fellow brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Do we have that desire still? Jesus said that the world would know us by the love that we have for our jobs. The, the world would know us by the love that we have for our money. That Jesus, he says, the world will know you by the love that you have for your team. Far be it from us. The love that we have for each other. You know why that is? You know why I love you? Because God saved you. Many There's people here that I remember when you got saved, when you came into the church. What God has done in your life. Oh, beloved, do we still want to be together? They were together in the church. They were together in the Word of God. They were together. Man, some of the most precious times that we had when we were missionaries was joining together for fellowship with the Romanians. Those conferences that we went to were so life-giving. And in Holland as well, we built relationships there that will last into eternity. Secondly, mark of a missionary. Missionaries have tears. Verse 19 says, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. Tears. I don't know if I'm just getting softer in my old age, but I find myself fighting back tears more often than I used to. Tears, just this morning I was watching this Richard Wormbrandt story i watched we saw one trailer there's a second trailer and when i saw it almost got me going just like that with many tears paul says i've done the lord's work let me ask you when's the last time you, you had tears in your eyes because of god's work i'm not saying just about the pains of life that we go through yes we cry about those things We cry when people pass away and we're grieving indeed. But Paul's tears were related specifically to what was happening with the church. The things that he was going through. Even the betrayals. Yes, the tears of joy because of the multitudes that were saved. But also tears because of the betrayals. People that he loved and invested in who turned from God. See, Paul's not the only one who has tears because of God's work. You know that the Lord weeps also? John 11, verse 35, as Jesus looks over Jerusalem, the same city that was about to crucify him, by the way, the same city that rejected him outright, but he's looking over the city. He says, O Jerusalem, 
the one who kills the prophets, stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. In John, it says when he heard that his friend had died, that Jesus wept. God has pity on Nineveh and weeps over them. A pagan city. One of the problems with missionaries is that they can't look at maps. I was in Holland one time, at, uh, and during the conference I got an invitation to go over to his house. He lives not too far from the, from the mother church there in Zvola in Holland, and, uh, and so he, they invited us over for a lunch. And man, this, this guy had been a mission. He was like the Scott Grabowska of the Holland congregation, right? He had been, him and his family had been missionary multiple times overseas in China, in South America, in some island countries. And, and so now they're living in Holland and, uh, and he's doing e- evangelist work. He's going from church to church and preaching. And you know how evangelists are. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're at his house and he'd been doing that for, you know, maybe about a year. But as we're sitting there eating lunch, right there underneath his coffee table in his house, you know what he starts pulling out? These big old atlases, maps. He says, I love maps. I love looking at maps. And he starts going through and looking, and he's, you know what he's doing? He's saying, you know, we could, there's really an opportunity here in this nation. We could go to that city right there. You know, our fellowship really needs to make impact here. You know, there's not a church within a 500-mile radius right there. He begins to examine the maps. Well, I tell you what, it didn't take long. He got launched out in that same conference. It's because it's not just because of a love of traveling or a love of geography. No, this man cares about people. He sees people as those who need the gospel. He was weeping over them why is it that we are no longer moved why is it that we are no longer touched tears so the third mark of a missionary missionaries have togetherness missionaries have tears finally missionaries have trials verse 19 i have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I wish I could say that missionary work was easy. I wish I could say that if you would embrace a missionary's heart this morning and you would uh, begin to be faithful to that call tomorrow morning as you go to your workplace, that everything would be smooth and you'd have no problems and there would be zero pushback, but that is far from true. How many know? Philippians 4, 11 and 12. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am how to be content. I know how to be abased, how to abound. Everywhere, in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul's describing the up and down nature of living for God. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it stinks. He knows how to be abased. He knows how to be hungry. And he knows how to suffer need. Oh, uh, far be it from me, Pastor. I can't do those things. 
Jesus knew how to go through trial. You know, if we follow Jesus long enough, we'll probably get to a cross at some point. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 4, We in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distress, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, sleeplessness, and fastings. And we say, get behind me, Satan. Not for me. I want to be very comfortable in my life for the Lord. And you're not probably going to not do much for him. This is a generation of Christians that refuse to suffer. This is why I'm charging you with everything I have within me. Be here on Saturday to watch this movie. Because it puts all of our suffering to shame. What we call persecution. Finally, missionaries have the truth. Verse 20 says, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must deal in truth. We cannot allow the message to change. A missionary's heart will lead us to preach truth even if the truth hurts. Somebody said, uh, the truth will set you free, but it's going to hurt. The truth will set you free, but man, you're not going to like it. Sometimes you need to face the truth that, you know what, you're just a jerk. You need to be kind to people. You need to speak well. Sometimes you need to face the truth, man, that you've got a temper on you. And you let it cause evil. And if you'll embrace the truth, as uncomfortable as it might be, maybe it'll set you free. Let me close with this last question. What is your life worth to you? What is your life worth to you? I love the the apostles' words here. He says, he says in our scripture, verse 24, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing of the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to fill in the blank for yourself. My, what, my life is worth nothing to me unless what? Whatever fills in that blank is the thing that is most important to you. If you say, my life is worth nothing to me unless I can get eight hours of sleep. What? My life is worth nothing to me unless I can make my wife and children happy. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to make our wife and children happy. Men, husbands, fathers. But that's not the end goal of our lives, is it? My life is worth nothing to me unless I finish the work that God has given to me. What's the life worth? What is your life worth? My life is worth nothing to me unless I get a 
hot babe. My life is worth nothing to me unless I get a savings account and a 401k in overtime. See, however you fill in that blank tells us about the true nature of your heart. The ultimate missionary was not the Apostle Paul, but was the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason that Paul had such a great missionary life was because he was looking to his Savior. Jesus is the one who gave up his cushy spot as second in command of the universe to enter into a very difficult place, the world. Born as a peasant in a barn. The Son of God, creator of all things, heaven and earth, and there he is wearing a diaper. Subject to two human parents. Vulnerable. Why did he give all of that up? Why would he risk himself? Why would he do it? Because he wanted to spread the gospel. To bring the message of hope to a lost world. And unless he would have done that, you and I, you and I would never have this hope. We serve a missionary savior. And that should lead us to a missionary heart. So what about you this morning? Can, are, are you making excuses? Pastor, this is a great sermon for somebody else. Maybe you should save this for you know, some future conference message that you preach. No, this is for you today. And if we would see ourselves as missionaries, I'll tell you what would happen. We would give more, and we would go more. Everybody. We would not rely on the successes of our past. Well, I went one time, Pastor. I gave that one time. Doesn't that, you know, doesn't that like future-proof me for a few years? God's not interested in your past obedience, but in your present obedience. I want to challenge you, church, a missionary's heart, so that we will give more, we will go more, and we will see God use us. Our lives are worth nothing unless we finish the work that he's given to us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning as God deals with us for just a few moments today. I believe with all my heart that you, as an individual, you are called to have a missionary's heart. It doesn't mean that you have to get on an airplane. It simply means that you can see and have a heart for people around you. This is the heart of the gospel. It's the heart of the gospel message. Jesus said that you are a city on a hill. You are a light that shines. You are the salt of the earth which affects everything around it. And yet we've become so ineffective. We've become so complacent. We've become so uninterested and uninvolved and uninspiring and so blah. Let the church have a missionary heart once again. 
Before we close this service, I wonder if you've come here today and you'd be very, very honest for just a moment. Maybe you would confront the truth of your own sin, your own disobedience against God, your own mistakes and your own flaws. And don't, uh, don't, don't try to hide it this morning. Don't try to mask it or cover it up or sugarcoat the truth this morning that you are a sinner. You are broken and you have inherited sin from your ancestors. Not only that, but you've chosen to sin, haven't you? And the Bible says the results of our sin is death. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.